In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. So we're going to continue um, the series we've been talking about today, uh, The Orthodox Afterlife. Um, last time, uh, we spoke about the, um, the crossing over. Okay, So just to revisit our friend, Mr. Yu, we call him Mr. Yu. Um, he died of pneumonia in the hospital. Uh, and he had a, a, a he, he died and he had this experience um, of what he experienced after death and then he revived later on and he wrote for us a lot of uh, a, a lot of the details of what he experienced what he saw and so on so the first thing that he had experienced was that he came out of his body and he was there in the hospital room looking at his his own body at the other doctors and nurses that were there and so on he described his experience how he felt and then the next step, which we call the crossing over, is when these angels appeared and they brought his spirit, started to lead him out of the earth, essentially, and he went into this vast expanse that he had described as being so big that he felt like he completely lost himself in it and he was like a speck of nothing in this huge expanse. So that's kind of very quickly summary of where we are in his story right now. Um, I do want to say disclaimer for today's talk. There's some frightening things that we're going to talk about of what he's going to see um, in terms of um, he's going to see demons. Um, and one thing I want to clarify um, about this experience, because um, someone might read this and it might be frightening and, and, and concerning about why is this happening. Think of it from this perspective. We all the time throughout our entire life are being tempted by demons. If we could look spiritually with a spiritual eye, we would see around us the angels, and we would see around us the demons. We would see both, because there is a war. The Lord said that what the, 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 the devil is like a, a roaring lion, or, or St. Peter, I think, said he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We, we, we take these things symbolically, and we take them kind of, well, we don't see any lion, and we don't see any demons, and we don't see anything. Yeah, we believe that they are there, but, okay, they're there but I don't, I, don't, I don't have an immediate sense of them necessarily. What he's going to describe here is not anything different than what we would be able to see with spiritual eyes even while we're on earth, which is that the demons are attacking us, that the demons are seeking to tempt us, the seeking to make us to fall. What he's describing here is simply that he is now aware of this, right? And also... He's aware of not only this, but he's aware of the help that God is sending on his behalf to protect him from this, which is also something that we as believers are experiencing all the time. Like we believe, and we spoke last time about the guardian angels, we believe that God sends the guardian angel, and we believe that the angel is, is helping us, right, and protecting us from temptation and so on. So while what we're going to read today can sound scary, I don't want you to, to think of it that this is any really different than what we are always experiencing. We just don't notice it or pay attention to it, okay? Which we should be. <laughs> There's a nice verse here, um, which is really the, the, you know, the, the, the response, our response or our faith toward God when we're placed in the midst of temptation um, of this type is here in Isaiah 43. Um, it says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Right? We believe and trust in God that even as we pass through this difficult period of time <laughs> after death, and that there's going to be these demonic attacks, that we are safe in the Lord. 
that God is the one who delivers. So while, yes, it is a frightening experience, um, we, s- we still have faith and believe that God is with us throughout it. So we're going to continue the story um, that we had stopped last time. So again, this man, Mr. Yu, he is now being carried by these angels and in into this vast emptiness. That's where he is now. So it says, suddenly there was heard at first an indistinct noise. And following this, having emerged from somewhere with shrieks and rowdy laughter, a throng of some hideous beings began rapidly to approach us. Evil spirits, I suddenly comprehended and appraised with unusual rapidity that resulted from the horror I experienced at the time. A horror of a special kind and until then never before experienced by me. Evil spirits, oh how much irony. How much of the most sincere kind of laughter this would have aroused in me but a few days ago, even a few hours ago. Somebody's report, not that he saw evil spirits with his own eyes, but only that he believed in their existence, as in something fundamentally real, would have aroused a similar reaction. As was proper for an educated man at the close of the 19th century, I understood this idea regarding the existence of evil spirits to simply mean foolish inclinations and passions in a human being. That, and that is why the very word itself had for me not the significance of a name, but a term which defined a certain abstracted conception. The idea here that for him, the demons, demonic powers, evil spirits, all these things were like an abstract representation of evil, but but not that he could understand it in terms of an actual being, an evil spirit, an evil being. Some people will also say, you know, when the scripture speaks about people who are demon possessed, it, it kind of try they try to explain it by saying, well, this isn't actually demon possession. This is like, you know, like mental illness, right? But when you look at what it is that the Lord did to those who were demon possessed in the scripture, you know, there was a, 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 a person who was demon-possessed, and the Lord cast out the demon. He sent the demon into a herd of pigs, and the pigs ran off a cliff and drowned, right? So, so it's, this, is not, this is not mental illness, right? You, you, can't, you can't cast mental illness out of a person and send it into pigs, right? So we believe truly in the existence of evil spirits just as we believe in good spirits, just as we believe in the angels. Um, this is very manifest in the prayers of the baptism. You know, in the early church, uh, essentially, you were a Christian or you were a pagan. I mean, those were the those were the two options. Okay, so anyone being baptized into the church as an adult um, was coming from a pagan background, and 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 the pagans they worship these other gods who we believe are essentially demons. So so we consider that when someone in the early church, whenever someone was coming fr- from the outside, coming to the church, we considered them to be demon-possessed. And that's why in the baptismal rites and the baptismal prayers, it's always speaking about casting out the evil spirits, casting out the unclean spirit. So the, the baptismal prayer is actually partially an exorcism. So we truly believe in the existence of evil spirits. And like again, like if we would look with spiritual eyes and we would see the, the demonic attacks, that are coming and being waged against us. So here, this man who never really believed in these evil spirits, okay, is now seeing with his eyes these evil spirits with himself. And he says, I would have laughed at anyone who even claimed that they had believed in these evil spirits just before this. And suddenly, this certain abstracted conception appeared before me as a living personification. 
even up to the present time, I am not able to say how and why at that time, without the slightest trace of doubt, I recognized evil spirits to be present in that ugly sight. You know, we spoke about how he, he was able to recognize his guardian angel and that somehow he knew that this angel was his guardian angel. And here also he, he knew with the spiritual understanding that he had been bestowed now after his death that these were evil spirits. Undoubtedly, only because such a designation of it was completely outside of the normal order of things and logic. For if a similar hideous sight appeared before me at another time, undoubtedly I would have said it was some kind of fiction personified, a person, uh, an abnormal caprice of one's imagination. In short, everything else, but in no way, of course, would I have called it a name by which I would have meant something which cannot be seen. But at the time, this designation of its nature took place with such rapidity that seemingly there was no need to think about it, as if I had seen that which already was well known to me long ago. And since, as I already have explained at that time, my mental capacities functioned with such incomprehensible intensity, I therefore comprehended just as rapidly that the ugly outward appearance of these beings was not their real exterior, that this was some kind of an abominable show which was probably conceived with the purpose of frightening me to a greater degree. He's saying that the, the manifestation, the way, the, the way that these demons appeared was not their actual essence, right? But this is, was intended to frighten him, right? This was intended to frighten him. Having surrounded us on all sides with shrieks and rowdy sounds, the evil spirits demanded that I be given over to them. They tried somehow to seize and tear me away from the angels, but evidently did not dare to do this. In the midst of their rowdy howling, unimaginable and just as repugnant to one's hearing as the sight was for my eyes, I sometimes cut up words and whole phrases. So now he's hearing them speak. He's saying, they're saying, he is ours, he has renounced God. They suddenly cried out almost in unison, and here they lunged at us with such boldness that for a moment fear froze the flow of all thought in my mind. That is a lie that is untrue. Coming to myself, I wanted to shout, but an obliging memory bound my tongue. In some way unknown to me, I suddenly recalled such a slight, insignificant occurrence, which in addition was related to so remote a period of my youth that it seems I in no way could have been able to recall it to mind. I recalled how during my years of study, once I have gathered at my friends, after having spoken about school studies, we passed over to discussing various abstract and elevated topics, conversations which often were carried on by us. So even as they are, like, it, it's like these demons are claiming a right. They're saying he is ours because he has renounced God. If you go to the Old Testament, Essentially, this is how everything was in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we didn't have salvation. We didn't have redemption through Christ in the Old Testament. So every single spirit, every single person who died, they were the property of, of Satan, essentially. right? They would, go, they would go to Hades. And the devil was there with you know, controlling all of these spirits. right? So these spirits are going to him, and they're saying, you are ours, right? One of the things I can, you know, kind of meditate and contemplate on this whole scenario is, and what is it that we kind of we benefit from, is we see the power of Christ in this. You know, this is the normal, this is what's supposed to happen, in the sense that this is the normal thing that happens. This is the thing that's been happening for, 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 for millennia, since the creation of man, this. 
this idea that when a soul dies, it goes to Hades that it is that is taken by the evil spirits. But we who are believers, who believe in the power of the resurrection and the salvation that came through Christ, we don't have to be subject to this process. We don't have to be subject to the outcome where the, the, the demons are going to take our souls, right? And it, it makes it so clear. Like, imagine if you were in such a situation. It makes the, 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 what, what Christ did so obvious and evident and clear and necessary. You know, now here in the world, when we speak about, okay, the sal salvation and the Holy Spirit and these things, to many people, these are just invisible concepts, right? Like he said, abstracted concepts. They're not, they're not tangible, you know, their ideas and their thoughts and their 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 fa their beliefs, but here you see the actual true meaning behind them. That it is actually only through the power of Christ that any soul would be saved from this, this moment. It is because Christ is the one who is redeeming us um, from 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 hell. He also says what that when these demons um, said he is ours, he has renounced God, his first reaction in himself was, no, that's not true, I didn't renounce God. Maybe he himself didn't know himself. You know, sometimes we, 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 we claim things, but if you actually look at the content of our actions, maybe those claims are false. Like, we all believe that we believe in God, we all think, you know, like we are believers and we do this, but if you actually look at our actions, does our actions support the idea that we believe in God or not? This man, even after all the things that he said about himself, still had kind of a thought in himself, like he was still he still believed in God in a generic, uh, you know, abstract way. But then the moment that that thought came to his mind, it's like he now remembered an event that happened in his own life, which kind of contradicted that. So it says what? Generally speaking, this is the conversation that he had in his life that he's now recalling. Generally speaking, I don't like abstractions, says one of my comrades, but here you already have absolute impossibility. I am able to believe in some kind of power of nature, which, let us say, has not been investigated. That is to say, I can allow for its existence, even when not seeing its clear-cut, definite manifestations, because it may be very insignificant or combined in its effects with other powers, and for this reason difficult to grasp, but to believe in God as a being, individual and omnipotent, to believe when I do not anywhere see clear manifestations of his individuality, this already becomes absurd, right? This is, this, is, this is what he was thinking before. I can believe in the concept of a deity, of some kind of a power, but to think of him as a person, as an individual, in his own mind, he didn't believe this. He said, this is absurd. I am told, believe, but why must I believe? when I am equally able to believe that there is no God. Why is it not true? Is it also not possible that he does not exist? Now my com comrade turned to me for support. Maybe not. I let escape from my lips. This phrase was in the full sense of the word, word and idle statement. The unreasonable talk of my friend could not have aroused within me a doubt in the existence of God. I did not particularly listen to his talking, and now it turned out that this idle statement of mine did not disappear without leaving a trace in the air. I had to justify myself, to defend myself from the accusation that was directed against me, and in such a manner the New Testament statement was verified in practice. We really shall have to give an account of all our idle words, if not by the will of God, who sees the secrets of man's heart, then by the anger of the enemy of salvation. This accusation evidently was the strongest argument that the evil spirits had for my perdition, 
They seem to derive new strength in this, for the daring of their attacks on me, and now with furious bellowing, they spun about us, preventing us from going any further. I recalled the prayer and began praying, appealing to, to, uh, for help to those holy ones, which are the saints, whose names I knew and whose names came to mind. So this man who at no other time would have considered praying, right, or that he was in need of help, in this moment when he was faced with the reality of these demons that are attacking him and remembering how he had renounced God in his life, he's, he began to pray. And he, he began to call on different saints whose names he knew. But this did not frighten my enemies. A sad, ignorant Christian, only in name, I was that only then. It seems almost for the first time in my life, I remembered her who is called the intercessor for Christians. And evidently my appeal to her was intense. Evidently my soul was filled with terror that hardly had I remembered and pronounced her name when about us there suddenly appeared a kind of white mist which soon began to enfold within itself the ugly throng of evil spirits. It concealed them from my eyes before they could withdraw from us. Their bellowing and cackling was still heard for a long while, but according to how it gradually weakened in intensity and became more dull, I was able to judge that the terrible pursuit was gradually being left behind. The feeling of fear that I experienced took hold of me so completely that I was not even conscious of whether we had been continuing our flight during this terrible meeting or whether it stopped us for a while. I realized that we were moving, that we were continuing to move upward. So this is a very scary scene, right? But in the end, what was able to save him from it was through the prayer and actually his, his seeking the intercession of St. Mary. This is the one that, that he was referring to. Um, the idea of seeing evil spirits after death, this is an experience that's been very well understood by the early church and a belief that's been maintained in the Orthodox Church for, for a very long time. As I said, um, in some of the services, so for instance, in the Coptic funeral service, okay, um, there is a, a prayer that we pray to God that says the following. It says, Master God, abolish the resisting power, demolish the dragon's fury, and close up the lion's mouth, put aside the evil spirits. If you pay attention to the words of the funeral prayer that the priest prays um, during the funeral, there are many, many, many prayers regarding um, asking God to protect this person from the attack of evil spirits. Also, in the Eastern Orthodox Church, there is a prayer, um, the canon on the departure of the soul, and they say the following. They say, as I depart from earth, vouchsafe me to pass unhindered by the prince of the air, the persecutor, the tormentor, he who stands on the frightful paths and is their unjust interrogator. So again, th th these prayers, which are very ancient and old prayers that the church has prayed for a very long time, whether in the Coptic church or the other Orthodox churches, they indicate the same thing. The belief that there is some process by which the spirit, after dying, passes through before it reaches either paradise or Hades, and that this process is filled with the attacks of the demons. And we're asking here a God to protect this person from these attacks. The, I mentioned this prayer uh, last week, I believe. This specific prayer from the 11th hour litany uh, uh, where the person is uh, praying and asking St. Mary to intercede for them on that day, on that day when the spirit departs the body. 
Um, so we pray this. We say, O Lady the Virgin, for to you I appeal, and through you I seek intercession, and upon you I call to help me, lest I may be put to shame. And when my soul departs my body, attend to me, and defeat the conspiracy of the enemies, and shut the gates of Hades, lest they might swallow my soul. Like This is a prayer that we're praying now, right? In preparation for this. And I, 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 would, I would wish that, you know, one day when I am uh, in that place, that this prayer would come to my mind so that I can pray it and ask for uh, the intercession of St. Mary. One other thing that people will question about this process is some people might see that this is like, um, why is God allowing this? Why is God not just kind of coming in and stopping all of this from happening? Why is it that I should be calling on St. Mary or another saint or anything like that? Um, one thing that's important to realize and understand is that the saints are an extension of God's love. They are not God. They are not divine. St. Mary is not divine. St. Mary does not have the power to save anyone. Okay? But she is an extension of God's love. She is, she is an extension of of like like someone who has great favor before God and God allows her to serve us just as he allows the angels to serve us. You know, if you try to think of like uh like this kind of analogy like let's say you're going to visit um someone who is very important like a CEO of a, of a very big company and they're in a huge building and their office is at the very top of the building and you have an appointment to go and see the CEO and you're good friends with the CEO, right? And you have an appointment to go. So you walk in the door most likely the CEO is not going to be the one who answers the door and opens the door for you and is sitting at the reception desk. But the person who is sitting at the reception desk know that knows that you're coming and has instructions from the CEO to let you straight up into his office, right? So God uses others in his ministry to us, right? When we say the angels are ministering spirits that God created to minister to us, the saints, God uses them to minister to us. So the idea that we are seeking the, the intercession of St. Mary or other saints or so on, this is not saying that somehow, oh, you know what, if it weren't for these saints, then somehow we would have been snatched up by the demons. Or that God is kind of negligent and he's allowing this process to happen. And, you know, and it's only because we thought to ask for the saints. Again, the idea here is God is the protector. God is the one who saves us from this process that would have otherwise occur, which is the snatching of our spirits by the demons. Another prayer from the Eastern Orthodox Church, it says, Translate me, O sovereign lady, into the sacred and precious hands of the holy angels, that being covered by their wings, I may not see the shameless and foul and dark form of the demons. Right? Again, it's, it's the same. It's the same prayer in different words that the Eastern Orthodox Church prays as well. So the belief in the existence of these evil spirits cannot be refuted from by looking at the, the, the scriptures, by looking at the church history, by looking at um, the prayers that, are, that, are, that, that the church has adopted over time, right? So because we believe that these spirits were originally the angels that God had created. God did not create evil spirits. God created angels, and these angels, by their own free will, chose to rebel against God, the foremost of them being Lucifer, who is Satan. And so God banished them and created for them Hades and hell. That is the place of the demons to be. It is not a place that God intended for us as human beings to be. And it says in Second Peter ch chapter 2, it says, God did not spare the angels who sinned. 
but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Also in Jude, verse 6, it says, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains until darkness for the judgment of the great day. This is the place that the angels who rebelled against God were sent. They were. This is the place for them. This is in intended to be for them. So there is this struggle, okay, between light and darkness. When a person enters this crossover realm, which is what we've called it, they usually encounter some kind of struggle between evil and good, okay? And the outcome of this battle that we've just described in this story that we read is determined by two things. Whether this poor person chose to believe in Christ in their life and whether that person lived a life in accordance with that belief. It is based on a, on a judgment that God makes on that person. Okay, First John chapter 3, it says, And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Meaning, if I truly believe in God, then I will purify myself. I will take action based on my faith. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 10, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Again, it's a calling to some kind of work that we are called to do. I believe in the Lord, and because I believe in the Lord, I am trying to do right. I'm trying to do good according to his uh, commandments. Now, again, we know that we fail a lot. And because of our weakness, because of our sin, we fail. God opens the door of salvation to all of us through repentance, right? So even though we fall and make mistakes and don't do what is right, we repent and God accepts. But the idea is that we are working toward this goal. We are working toward this goal of living life according to the righteousness of God. So the outcome is based on our actions. In Galatians chapter 6, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he also will reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Someone sent me uh, this past week a video on YouTube uh, about something that happened earlier this year. Uh, and it was to a woman who was in Egypt, and she also died in the hospital. And she was, she was not breathing for 16 minutes. And then she came back to life again. And so there's this priest who goes to her um, in the hospital, and this is the, the video, and he's asking her and, and, and about what happened. And she describes almost exactly everything that we've talked about today. She talked about how there was this lion, and it was like trying to devour her. And she talked about how she prayed this same prayer that I mentioned from the Agbeya, like asking St. Mary, and that in that moment that St. Mary came and protected her, and that she saw the gates of hell, and all these things that, that, that she saw. So what I'm just trying to say is that um, this is not something strange. This is not something uncommon. All throughout history, there have been different events like this. There have been different pieces of evidence that show us that this is actually what happens. It's confirmed in the prayers of the church. Um, it's confirmed in the scripture as well. The reason for the, en for the devil's antagonism against humans is often summed up as by the phrase we say, the envy of the devil. Okay, what is the envy of the devil? In Wisdom chapter 2, it says, For God created man to be immortal, and he made him in the image of his own likeness, but by the envy of the devil, death entered into the world. Why? Because 
we are being offered by God to be in the place that the devil originally was in, in heaven. The devil is envying us because he doesn't want us to go to that place where he was. Okay? Because he has now fallen from heaven and he cannot go back. And so he wants to take us with him. He doesn't want us to, to be there. This is why we refer to it as the envy. He envies those who have been baptized and granted access to the place the evil spirits once inhabited. St. Gregory of Nyssa, he says this, Therefore, it is that after the dignity of adoption, which is baptism, the devil plots more vehemently against us, pining away with envious glance when he beholds the beauty of the newborn man earnestly tending towards the heavenly city from which he fell, and he raises up against us fiery temptations, seeking earnestly to despoil us of that second adornment as he did of our former array. So his goal is to get us to fall so that we do not benefit and enjoy that place that he and the other demons um, once inhabited. So we're out of time for today. Does anyone have any comments or questions? Next time, God willing, we can continue in speaking about this struggle between the angels and the devils over our soul. Yes. Shutting the gates of Hades is not a literal thing. Shutting the gates of Hades means they're shut for me, meaning that I do not go to Hades. So the demons are there like seeking that we would go to Hades, right? They're trying to take us there. And we're asking for the intercession of the saints to protect us from going there. So that's what that means. It's not literally like now Hades is closed. It means that I do not go there. Is that your question? Any other comment? Okay. Again, I know that this is kind of like heavy stuff. And um, and I, like I said, it can be a frightening topic. Um, the benefit that we get from this, like I mentioned at the very first topic, is not to be afraid of this, but to be aware of this. And while when I'm aware of this, it changes the way that I see life. Right? It really does. If we really think about this, it changes the way that we see life if we really realize that these demons are attacking us all the time and the angels are there also all the time seeking to help us and we should call out to, to God and call out to the saints and call out to the angels and call out to everyone to help us and that this spiritual warfare is happening ongoing all the time. What this man saw is just he realized that this battle is going on, right? And maybe he was so negligent in his life because he didn't pay attention to this battle. He didn't pay. He 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 doubted that the battle even existed, or that spirits or angels even existed, or that God even existed. But when he was put in this place where now he had no choice, and he realized kind of the the vanity of his life and the way that he lived, it caused him to see things differently, right? And the benefit of studying this now is we can learn from his example, and we can learn from the example of of many others. So that while we have the opportunity now that we are wise in the way we use our time, we are wise in the decisions that we make and so on. So again, the goal here is not to be frightened. The goal here actually is to be comforted that our entire life is for a reason, for a purpose, and that in the end, God is the protector. God is the one who protects us from the demons. That's why salvation is so valuable, right? It's so valuable because in the end, God protects us from this moment. So that in this moment, the fullness of all of God's redemptive power 
that he has has accomplished for us through his incarnation and his crucifixion and his resurrection all of my prayers all of my fasting all of my repentance everything is for this moment right everything that i've done is for this moment and the more that i i, I meditate on that and think about it even though yes it's it's a frightening thing but there are many things that we've gone through in our life that are frightening and yet if we prepare for them we are successful think about for instance some of the maybe the hardest exams that you've ever had to take in your life that were very, very important on the basis of which it would decide your entire career and future. And those exams were very stressful. They were very frightening, right? But, but because we knew they were so frightening and they were so difficult, we studied extra hard. And when the time came, we could pass because we were ready. The whole point of this is to allow us to be ready, to prepare so that on this day we have nothing to fear and nothing to be worried about. And not to be like this man who kind of lived life carelessly. And then we get to that point and we realize everything that I believed was false. So it's necessary to talk about these topics, even though they might make us uncomfortable, because this is the reality. And you can't escape the reality. Just like someone going to take the MCAT exam or whatever exam, it's the reality. That's the test. It's a very hard test. Pretending like it's not hard pretending like it doesn't exist, shutting my ears to it and not thinking about it isn't going to make me be able to pass it, right? This is the truth. And so we prepare for the truth, and then we are comfortable and confident and comforted in our life because we know that on this day that God will be our advocate and that he will protect us through his blood. Okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O God, for this day. We thank you, O Lord, for revealing to us many of the hidden mysteries and secrets and the things, O Lord, that are unseen around us. Give us eyes to see them by faith. Let us to see, O God, how much the devil is seeking to consume us and devour us like a lion that is prowling around in his strength. But let us know, O Lord, that you are stronger than him and that you protect us, O Lord, from his attacks. Help us, O God, to turn our lives to you more and more and to obey you, and to be repentant, O Lord, in our life, and to seek you out, O Lord, more than we seek out any other thing, and not to be distracted by this world and all of its lusts and all of its pleasures. Help us and strengthen us, O God, to stand firm and steadfast in this world, placing our faith and trust in you, knowing that this day will come where this earth will pass away, and all those, O Lord, who are powerful here, and all those things, O God, that people seek after here will perish and fall away. Grant us, O Lord, to have a right mindset, a right attitude, a right vision, a right purpose, a right goal in everything that we do, so that when we stand before you, we will be blameless, and that you will call us, O Lord, to your heavenly kingdom. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, the community, the gift of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.